2: As those of you that have hung over the top of the hour with me, I got in a little trouble last hour. I didn't quite understand that my wife was going to walk into the radio studio when I was talking about her. And uh, and so in an effort f- to create peace in the family, um, let me explain um, how I messed up her birthday. <laughs> in my defense, on the 14th Valentine's Day, the 15th is my son's birthday, The 16th is our anniversary, and the 18th is her birthday. So those five days are kind of tough on me. I did plan her birthday party at a local restaurant up in Payson. I did get everybody to be there. But I thought she was coming up the mountain. I thought she was going to come and pick me up, and we were going to go to her dinner party together. But I guess I misunderstood (laughs) because I... I was here, and they were there, and I was late to her party. And, of course, um, it wasn't a good night for me. So, um, it in my defense, there is that week's kind of tough. But, on the other hand, I apologize profusely to my wife Renee about being late for her birthday party that I personally planned. Okay? That's good. All righty. Talking about transmissions, <laughs> Automatic Transmission Exchange been around since 1968. Phil... Who's one of the original guys there is still there, and he does everything from the old ones to the new ones. So if you live anywhere near Central Phoenix and you want a good transmission shop, Automatic Transmission Exchange, we call it ATE, is at 40th Street in Washington, and it's well worth the drive. Lee, you're up first. How can I help you?
3: Thanks for taking my call. Um, I had a question about a I have a 5.7 Chevy motor. With a mushroomed valve, and it is a boat motor, and I'm trying to figure out why a valve would do that.
2: Okay, and um,
3: and could it, you know, what what are the other outlaying issues that I might have with the block or something else?
2: Okay, well, d- describe the mushroomed valve. What is it different than the rest of it?
3: So it's an intake. I mean, I took it to a machine shop, and they told me it was a mushroom valve, and then once you see it, you know, it's sunk in in the middle an intake valve okay so it's pretty obvious um but i haven't gotten really good an answer why that might have happened
2: okay and so what it sounds like that somebody when the valve was in the head somebody grabbed a hold of the stem and pulled real hard yep. on it and so yep. the center of the the valve head has been pushed inward towards the head correct okay i, I want to tell you something i think you're worrying about here let me change your question Mark, when was the last time you saw a mushroom valve? It's been 20 or 30 years ago. <laughs> Mark, what causes a, a mushroom valve? Hell if I know. Um, now, it's not water because that bends valves. Right, So So right. um, really and truly, uh, did you take both heads off or just one?
3: No, it took both heads off, but... but um... I actually work on both and this is the fourth one I've seen this year on four different engines.
2: I, it's and going to be some kind of a pattern failure on on that on uh, that motor that we're not seeing in the cars.
3: Yeah. Uh, what's it the symptom?
2: What does oh, it come in for?
3: Oh, um, on a compression test, there's no compression, and then you do a leak down, and you can hear it through the, you know, you can hear the valve. Okay. It's leaking.
2: But what did they bring it in for? Idle, rough idle, no power? What's the symptom that they gave you?
3: Yeah, rough uh, um, uh, rough running. Okay, symptom. okay.
2: And, and obviously, if we pull the valve in, of course, the tolerance on that with respect to how far it opens and closes is measured in a thousandths of an inch. Mm-hmm. So if we pull the valve inward, then obviously what's going to happen is it's not going to open all the way and We're going to starve that cylinder for fuel and stuff, but... um you know, we're seeing lots and lots of Chevrolet motors with bad cams and bad lifters and, and valve problems and stuff like that. And it has to do, depends on who you ask, it has to do with the, the lifter. or And they're roller lifters, by the way. The lifter mm-hmm. or the camshaft and all that other kind of stuff. Um, this this block, does it have roller lifters in it?
3: <clears throat> I believe the the one had roller lifters. Um, okay. They're older. I mean, they're in the 90s.
2: Okay. they you have know, not... in the
3: 90s type engines.
2: Yeah, that's not a comparison. That that that's not a good comparison. I I I don't want you to go in that direction. But uh, here's what okay. I do want to ask you is if you find okay. out the real reason that 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 valve stem was pulled up in the head harder than it should have been and mushroomed the head, I'd sure like you to let me know so I can learn from that because I I've I don't know the answer. I'm sorry.
3: You mushroomed the valve, not the head.
2: I understand. I understand it. So it's yeah. like pulling the valve against the seat and putting a big uh, winch on the other side of it and just pulling hard on the stem to mushroom the head of the valve.
3: Yeah, like it melted down in, in almost. I mean, and that's yeah. what I've, I've been told. It's a heat-related problem, and you can't find any. And I don't even know if that's the right term. That's what the uh, machine shops are telling me. But
2: Okay. Well, if, if there's a heat problem, it's because it's running lean. And if it's running lean, then it would have had a miss. And if it's running lean, then um, it means the absence of fuel. That would raise the temperature, but why wouldn't it harm the exhaust valve as well? And why wouldn't right. it warp the head as well? So I don't know, Lee. I, I, you know, I get to say I don't know once a year, and, and now I've done it twice this year, and I'm going to remember your name for the rest of my life. I just want to let you know that. Okay. Thank you, Lee. I Thank you very much. All right. All right. Mario, you're up next. How you doing?
4: Good morning, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. Okay. Uh, my wife uh, owns a 2020 Telluride, and we've been taking it to the dealer since we bought it for oil changes, tire rotations. I took it uh, last week uh, for the you know normal oil change, and they want me to do an oil uh, transmission flush and do a uh, uh, coolant flush next time it comes. So that they said the car needs that. The How car many only miles has are on it. Twenty twenty nine. <laughs>
2: 28 Okay you know. um, I um I'm going to talk out loud and I want you to listen. I'm going to step beside your problem. I'm going to you're over here and I'm going to move way over there. Okay? Okay. This is what um I would if this is what I told my mom. She my mom's not here anymore, but but this is what I told my mom. She lived in a different state. When you get that kind of stuff going on, and the little voice in your chest is a little louder than normal, and it just doesn't feel right, then the first thing is, is no thank you right now. The second thing, Mom, is I want you to say, listen, just write it down on the ticket. Give me a blank piece of paper. Staple your business card to it. Just tell me what you want to do, and tell me how much it is, and tell me why. You know, what do you see? that tells you I need to do this. Okay. And, and, and first of all, they're not going to do that. <laughs> and and this, <laughs> this, is, this is the bowels of our, this kind of activity, not the kind of shop you're at, this kind of activity is the worst of the worst. There is no way in God's green earth that that car needs a transmission service at 29,000 miles. And I don't care who you're talked to. There's no way. Then the cooling system. I'll bet your, your manual's got a 336 on those, if not even 550. I'll bet you it does. If you open up the manual and you look in the maintenance schedule, look at automatic transmission fluid exchange and look at cooling system flush, I'll bet neither one of those, I'm going to even move it to 550 or even higher than that. And so okay. it doesn't make any sense. Now let me explain what's going on in the background. OK, I'm going to use my shop as an example because it's easier. <laughs> you've got a technician outside on the floor. Then you've got a shop foreman. Then you have the parts department. Then you have the service writer. Then you have the general manager. So that's the hierarchy. OK, so the service manager, the technician says to the service manager on this repair, he needs a cooling system flush and a, uh, and a, and a uh, transmission service. And so the service manager goes, tells the, the service rider, this is what it needs. Then the service rider talks to you. So we got all right. these people in the chain. Well, the technician is starving. He wants more money. He works on a commission. So he's now blown this balloon forward. And so now everybody's going to carry the balloon. Well, the service manager doesn't know it has 29,000 miles on it. The service rider doesn't know it has 29,000 miles. The service rider doesn't know anything. They are a conduit between the shop, and the customer. So all they are is a parrot. They just parrot what they're told. So the technician says it needs this, and the service writer is going to say you. If you say why, service writer doesn't know the answer. If you say when, you say when is it called for in my manual. Those are the hard questions you ask in a nice way. And you just you, you just say, you know what, it's my wife's car. Would you just write that on my work order? You know, in the remarks section, when you type everything in, just put down, Mr. Salem, you need a transmission service. Based on our inspection, you need a transmission service and a cooling system service, and this is going to cost this much, and this is going to cost this much, and that's it. Well, they won't do that because nobody wants to get caught with their pants down like that. Mm-hmm. Then when you ask them to price it, that, that'll that tell you all you need to know. And then when you get home and you open up the owner's manual and you find out that this is a five-year call or maybe it's a, a seventy-five or 100,000-mile service, you're going to be mad. Your panties yeah, are going to be wadded so. up.
4: It's a brand-new car.
2: <laughs> yes, 20,000 so miles is sense. nothing. Okay, what I want you to do is, what part of town do you live in?
4: Uh, North Phoenix, Bell okay. uh, in uh, the 101.
2: Okay um go over to blackwell automotive 40th and glendale okay i'll call tom and i'm going to tell him that mario's going to stop by with his telluride and i'm going to ask tom would you check the condition of the cooling system and the transmission fluid and i'm going to say and then tell me what the service intervals are and he's not going to know anything but that I'm okay. just going to say, do me a favor. I'm going to send a, a friend of mine, Mario, over to you, and that's the question. What does the cooling system look like? What does the tranny service look like? And um, what does the owner's manual say about those two? And then we'll go from there.
4: All but
2: this is the worst of our industry is these kinds of examples. Tom Blackwell, Blackwell Automotive, um, uh, 40th Street and Greenway. 40th okay, Street in it. Greenway. Okay, good luck to you. And, and, and Glenn, I
0: didn't get to you, but I'm going to get to you in about three minutes. The voices that speak for you at your fingertips anytime. Prager, Gorka, Elder, Kirk, and more. Live on the 960 The Patriot app. You can listen to The Patriot in many different places, but with The Patriot app, you get access to your favorite shows live. Patriot podcasts, one-click to The Patriot website, or to call the station. And you can even set an alarm to wake up to 960. Download the app today on your app store. 960 The Patriot app, the voice that speaks for you.
5: Hello, I'm Greg May, owner of Phoenix Body Works. For 35 years, we've been demonstrating our workmanship, our honesty, our integrity and our exceptional customer service. We are blessed to have so many repeat customers who refer their friends and family. We have ethical, loyal technicians who have been with us for years. They are iCar certified, which means they are up to date on the latest technology and techniques. So your repairs meet or exceed industry standards. Our technicians are truly part of our family. We are very capable of fixing your car. We pull off damaged parts. We pull your frame and body mounts back to where they should be. Then we install the new parts. We align both the front and rear end. Then your car is back to the way it was when new. Our customers come from all over the valley. I'm Greg May. Remember, it's your vehicle. You pick the shop, not the insurance company. Phoenix Body Works. We want to be your collision repair specialist. Call us, 623-582-1434. Monday through Friday, 9 to noon on Saturday.
0: Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. It's your voice of reason 24 7. Getting your child home safely.
6: Tap your views together three times.
0: It's just a click away.
6: There's no place like home.
0: But making sure your child is in the right seat is just one of the steps down the road to safer travels. I don't know how it works. Find the right seat for your little one's age and size. There's no better way to get home safely. Know for sure that your child is in the right seat.
3: How can I ever thank you enough?
0: Get all the facts at safercar.gov the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You don't need to get a second job as a stuntman to save money. You just need FeedThePig.org. Don't get left behind. Get tips and tools at FeedThePig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council.
2: Well, welcome back, everybody. 19 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. And before I get you, Glenn, I got something to say. Our industry, my industry, has a bad part of it, just like doctors and lawyers and, and CPAs and, and radio engineers and all that stuff. We have our fair share. The problem is right now is is that we used to see your car every three thousand miles, so we got to pick your wallet every three thousand miles today, it's every five to ten thousand miles, and your cars the newer cars aren't even due for any kind of service until a hundred thousand miles seventy five to a hundred. So our shops are empty because we don't have all those cars that need all that maintenance because your car will go forever. So that's what's going on. So, because of that, independent shops, chain stores, specialty shops, car dealers, those are the four guys out there that are competing for your dollars. Every single one chain stores, independent repair shops, dealerships, uh, specialties, we're all competing. So, unfortunately, some shops. Uh, the reins are held by somebody, and some shops, the reins are dangling on the ground while the horses run away. Glenn, I'm here to help you.
4: Yeah, how you doing? Um, I have a, a 2010 uh, Tundra, got 170,000 miles on it. I've been having emissions issues. Um, I, I took it to a dealer. They said it was uh, the Pump, uh, pump 1 uh, um, for the... Uh, the emissions at the beginning when it first starts up in the morning. Okay, uh, I went ahead and I changed both pumps, since I already had to pull the tire off and pull the under wheel well off. I went ahead and did both pumps, ran fine for a few weeks, and then I had another emissions, you know, my engine light came on, took it into another shop, and they, they did a diagnosis on it said it was a, a, a diverter valve. So I just, I took the initiative easy enough, It's a couple bolts, a couple hoses, I changed that out, ran fine for a few weeks. Mission's uh, check engine light came on again. Took it back to my sh- uh, second shop. He said, yeah, it's your second diverter valve. And I'm kinda, and now it's come back on again a few weeks later. So okay. I'm at a bit of a loss as to what to do with that.
2: Don't ever do that again. For the rest of you that have just heard Glenn's story, that is the recipe for a disaster. Glenn oh, took his dog to the first vet, and the, the vet says, it's, your heart's bad. So Glenn went and put a new heart in it. But the dog's still sick. So then he takes it to somebody else and they go, oh, it's not his heart. It's his liver. And then he takes it somewhere else. But none of these people did any real diagnostics. They looked at the code and said, oh, that's a diverter valve code. Oh, that's a diverter valve code. Oh, that's this code. The code tells us that your problem is in Arkansas. We need to find the city, the street, and the house number. None of us are capable. No one is capable. Not even me. capable of diagnosing your check engine light over the phone. In order for us to tell you that you've got a problem and where it's at is we have to do some research. We have to check to see if the diverter valve is open and closed. Does it have vacuum? Is it working? And do the two lines that connect to the diverter valve, are they there? Are they crushed? Are they broken? Did one come disconnected? You've got all these moving parts. You spent more money then anybody in town would have charged you to just to diagnose it and then you you never had the chance to to look him in the eye and say i'm going to replace the diverter valve you better be right if not i'm going to come talk to you i want my money back of course you didn't pay any money or if you did you should go back but it's this is not the way to do it glenn It's kind of like calling five doctors and telling them you've got a pain to the right side of your chest two inches, uh, six inches above your belt line. Uh, None of them are going to be able to tell you what's wrong until you're in front of them. And your car is the same way. So um, you've done a lot of work, but you still have to check engine light. You know you're not going to pass emissions with those codes or that historical data that's stored in the computer um, and even if you take it in, you, this is what you do. You take it into a shop and you say, I've got check engine light. I want you to diagnose it. How much is your diagnostic? And everybody's going to be between 75 and $175. Okay. Then you look them in the eye and you go, now listen, I'm going to have you fix this, but I'm going to hold you responsible. This check engine light better not come on with any emissions-related codes uh, for the next six months or a year. I need to get through emissions and I need to be sure that you're going to fix my problem and that we're not going to have another emission code 10 days later, two weeks later. So
4: that's... Yeah, that's about how long. Two or three weeks and, you know, and Crux running great. Um, I On the first sign of trouble, it was it was uh, going into like a limp mode. Um, has not done that since the first go around, but my lights are still coming on.
2: So it, None of that makes any difference because limp mode means yeah. something completely different. And limp mode may or may not have a code to it, and the limp mode can see a a high temperature in the engine, and it will go into limp mode, and and then all of a sudden the temperature goes away, and it goes out of limp mode. There's just all these dynamic and moving parts, but the problem here is is you called three doctors, and you gave them what you could give them, and and rightfully so. You gave them what you could give them, and they all made diagnosis, and so far, they've all struck out. I'm sorry, Glenn. David, David, you're up next. How can I help you? Good morning. Good morning.
3: I have an opinion question. Okay. I want I want to change something. I on this on this uh, seventy nine Jeep truck. I'm on the four L sixty E. I want to change that to an Allison one
2: thousand. And uh, do you, is there a kit on the internet you can buy?
3: Yeah, there is. I mean, you can you can. There's a company that does the whole the whole thing, but I can just throw in a different transmission and buy the computer, and the wiring are com- completely separate.
2: Okay. I, I, I mean, what, so what's the question to me? Do you, do you want to do that? And you're asking, can it be done?
3: Yeah, and is there an uh, upside or a downside for doing
2: that? Well, first of all, the Allison is is a great transmission. It's durable as all heck, but by the time you put the Allison conversion in, and you do all the ancillary stuff with drive shaft changes and all that kind of stuff, then you could have bought a whole bunch of (laughs) your factory transmissions. So uh, I think what you should do is called ANS transmissions. A is in Alger, and S is in Stowers. Or manual and automatic and manual transmissions, ANS. And talk to Alger real quick, not on Monday morning or Friday afternoon, and ask him about your idea. I think from a the Allison is a fine transmission. It will handle your 79 Jeep with no problem. You'll probably not break the Allison. The problem is the cost associated with this transition is going to be pretty big, and at the end of the day, you're going to be real sorry um, you did that, and at the end of the day, you're going to say, Mark Salem was right. I could have changed this transmission twice for the cost of this of this. Uh, of this change of the drivetrain, so um, I I love the transmission. Um, I just don't think you'll be happy with the ultimate cost, and I don't think you're going to benefit in the long run. Anyway, thank you, thank you, Harry. Harry, you know, and let me ask you a question. He wrote it on the board as H A <laughs> well, I R Y. Is that correct?
4: I got a full head of hair. Yes, oh. that could be considered at my age is a pretty good deal. But, uh, okay.
2: All right. Now Harry, I got two to minutes prepared. to get I got two minutes to okay. get your question and I gotta take a break, so go right ahead.
4: Well I just wanted to comment that I hope when you showed up for your wife's birthday that your gift had diamonds in it. That, was, Harry, that might have smoothed it over.
2: <laughs> Harry, I, I didn't have a gift. Oh, okay? oh wow. Oh,
1: well, I've, I've done that, too. Hey,
2: <laughs> wow. The gift was the party. She already, I mean, I said to her, you know how it is. Honey, what do you want? Nothing. Well, do, do, you, know, you want me to put some new tires and wheels on your car, or would you like me to trade in your car? Do you, what, no. Do you want to fly to France and learn how to cook? Are you suggesting I don't know how to cook? <laughs> no, honey, no. Keep no, digging. Yeah, you, yeah, would you like to go see your mother? My mother lives four miles that way. Um, okay, how would you like to go see my sister in california no i don't, i don 't like california now i 've been married forty seven years I love my wife and she she you know she 's snow white compared to Jack the ripper me but and my wife everyone loves my wife everybody hates me that 's okay it's it's it works for me but um I was in trouble. <laughs> she reminded me that I did it just a few minutes ago <laughs> and, and and she's now in the living room um doing some arts and crafts on the kitchen table so um i i am the poster child from from the group of older guys that this is what you don't say and what you don't do on her birthday and your anniversary and uh and you know but then again there's got to be an upside cuz we've been married for I think 47 years. It's 46 or 47, and that also aggravates the hell out of her because I can never remember. (laughs) I can't even remember how old I am. But I can remember car stuff. 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. All the lines are open. 602-508-0960. And we've got five lines, and uh, Gil's there, and he'll take your call, and then we'll get you on the air just as quickly as we can. So we'll be right back after
6: this.
0: Listening to 960 The Patriot online doesn't mean you have to sit at your desk. If you're on the run, doing housework, or on your drive home, 960 The Patriot is at your fingertips wherever you are or whatever you're doing with the Patriot app. The Patriot stream is now sponsored by Guns Etc., an A-plus company working together to bring you an A-plus listening experience. Download the app today at your app store. It's the best way to listen to your favorite shows no matter where you are. Brought to you by Guns Etc., on the next episode of Recipes for Disaster.
6: So we've got our neighbor Paul coming
4: over tonight for a barbecue, which is why I prepared a delicious lemon-rosemary steak marinade from my special collection of old family recipes. To make sure the steaks are extra, extra, extra tender, I left them marinating out on the counter overnight, just like Nana used to.
0: Maria may mean well, but without food safety, it never ends well. Always thaw or marinate foods in the refrigerator at 40 degrees Fahrenheit or below. Or you could make your friends and family really sick. Maria's neighbor Paul didn't think twice about the steak he ate until he was presenting his company's financial forecast to the board. That's when a sudden bout of food poisoning made it explicitly clear that profits weren't the only thing on the rise. Watch Recipes for Disaster at foodsafety.gov. You'll learn the right steps as Maria does everything wrong. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council.
7: In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly?
6: After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well,
7: you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in
6: 0.1 miles.
0: Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving. Because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
4: Well, 34 minutes
2: after the hour of 11 o'clock. Every Saturday, we're here from 10 to 12, talking about cars and car repair stuff. If you go to MarkSalem.com, you can find my website. And on the website is a whole bunch of FAQs. And these FAQs were created by keeping track of the questions that we've been getting on radio since 1988. So we've been on KKNT since, we're 10 years now. And to be honest with you, KKNT has delivered more callers per hour than we ever had before. So we used to get three or four or five, and now we can easily pop seven, eight, nine an hour, sometimes ten. So it is something that um, I relish because the show is as good as the callers and by the way the lines are wide open right now 602-508-0960 602-508-0960. You can also find at MarkSalem.com on my list of best repair shops. The transmission shop we talked about at 40th Street in Washington Automate Transmission Exchange is one of them but Larry Harker's Auto at 38th Avenue and Indian School is a general repair shop. But he is Bob, who runs the shop, and Ellen, who runs the front. They are a good pair. They're married. But Bob is a great guy in the shop. And then he has a young technician that is probably one of the best ones I've ever met. He certainly has skills that even I don't have. So if you've got a problem from an oil change all the way to where my car hiccups on Tuesday afternoon at 2 o'clock, then Larry Harker's Auto, 38th Avenue Indian School would be a good place for you to start because they're really, really good. Now, on the other side of the country is Action Auto Repair at I-17 and Deer Valley. I've known Tom since 1983, these guys I talk about and tell you that are good guys is because I know them. I've met them. I've been to their house. They've been to my house. We've got drunk together. Uh, our wife, my wife, doesn't like him at times. His wife doesn't like me at times. There's lots of that going on, but the idea is, is I know these guys. I have their cell phone numbers, and I'm proud to tell you that maybe one time a year I'll have an unhappy customer. Maybe one time a year, and so. The guys I talk about, Larry Harker's Auto, 38th Avenue Indian School, and then you've got Kurt's Auto Repair at I-17 and Bell Road, great place to go. And those are guide, And then you've got Action right down the road at I-17 and Deer Valley. The real good thing about this is Kurt and Tom are best of friends, and they're separated by two or three miles with respect to where they're located. I like that that makes me proud that we have friends instead of hating everybody in your geographical area actually we have friends in that area and i'm the same way in tempe so anyway you've you've got the best i've got the best list at marksalem.com our industry is generally good but what you have to do is it's called self defense for car expense and by the way, if you have a church group you want me to come and speak at, I don't charge anything. Just call or get on the Internet and leave a message on MarkSalem.com. But self-defense for car expenses, what you do to protect yourself. Example, what symptom are you going to fix by doing $1,100 worth of work on my car? I mean, what, what do I have now that I know you're going to fix? Ooh, That's a hard question to answer if you're trying to pull the wool over their eyes. well, Show me in my owner's manual where it says I'm due for that. Just kind of help me out. That's another one. Um, my husband, he always wants the old parts back. So, you know, would you put them in the original boxes? And, and he wants to look at them and see if they're bad. And his brother's an engineer for aerospace here in town. And, His brother likes to take them apart and see what failed. You see, when you say stuff like that, the shop's going to take a double look at you and say, I don't want to give them back a water pump that there's nothing wrong with it. Oh, Mrs. Jones, it wasn't the water pump that was leaking. It was the bypass hose right above it. So we fixed that for you. Again, there is some guys in my industry that I'm not friends with. There is some guys that... um, um i don 't represent our industry well, but um i don 't go out of my way to to, to use their name i don 't use their names at all um but i I do know that when people go there they 're just sold a whole lot of work not too long ago. I had an employee um and i didn 't have an employee. I had a young man come and apply for a job, and he told me what kind of sales he was required to do. And the sales that he was required to do, none of my techs could have, none of them reached that goal if it was a goal. And, and I was kind of bothered by that because the technician, when he has responsibilities to generate so much sales, there's going to come a time where he's going to fudge that number and say that you really need a transmission service when really he knows that he's, you're 40,000 miles away away from hitting that mark. And so just kind of self-defense is, is just kind of force their hand. What symptoms are you going to fix? Well, I need to replace the tires because um, the right rear has a tread separation. Well, what symptom are you going to fix? Well, you have a, a vibration and it's in the seat of your pants and, and it's coming from the back end of the car. Would you agree? Yes. Yes, I do. Okay, that's what I'm going to fix. Well, why don't you just put two tires on the back? Can we do that? No, you have an all-wheel drive, and I have to do all four of them together. Okay. Then you look in your owner's manual, and it says, yeah, you should. Okay, fine. We're done. But it's okay. You don't have to know anything about cars. You know who's the best person in that kind of an environment? A mother. Because they just know the questions, and then they know the body language, and they can look the person in the eye, and they know if he's just shoveling snow or shoveling bull excrement. It's just the way it is. So it's up to you to take care of yourself. And if you have a problem, then um, the first thing you can do is, is talk to the shop. Maybe have some kind of a written communication with the shop. And plan B is, is stop payment on the credit card and ask for the credit card company to become involved in the dispute. And um, typically they will. And typically the shop will have an opportunity to discuss it. And what you've got is you've got the old parts. That's a big deal the old parts so that's why you ask for the old parts and you can throw them away once you know that everything's okay but you don't want fuel pumps for obvious reasons because they're going to smell like gas so there's some stuff like an old oil filter you're not going to want that but if they replace the pitman arm leave it in the box that it came in put it in the trunk of my car my husband likes to look at that stuff all right we'll be back in a minute
4: this is attorney william j wolf host of middle east radio forum Every Sunday at noon here on 960 the Patriot. This Sunday, William
0: Wilf will interview David Bedeen, the director of the Center for Near East Policy Research in Israel, and address the topic: How do we advocate for Israel with the Democratic Party? That's Middle East Radio Forum, Sunday at noon on 960 the Patriot. Take The Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960 The Patriot mobile app. Your Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, and Radio.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7.
7: This is Hugh Hewitt for TownHall.com. Rush Limbaugh died this week at the age of 70. To say he was a giant in our industry of talk radio is an exercise in understatement. When I talk about the format of talk radio on my own program, I've often said that Rush Limbaugh built them all. Everyone else is just a storefront in it. And I was true then, I'm true now. I'm grateful for my own storefront, but I'm particularly grateful to Rush for building the superstructure of our medium. There's no question, talk radio is much more needed now than ever. I've been doing talk radio since 1990. Two years earlier than that, Rush Limbaugh started syndicating his show, who was already a monster hit. He, a giant in the industry, helped me out, a newbie, cutting promos for me. He was one of the great gentlemen in the business. And he never stopped being a professional's professional. Rush Limbaugh will be greatly missed. But the mall that he built is alive and fuller than ever. And for that, we should all be grateful. Rest in peace, Rush. I'm Hugh Hewitt.
4: Hey, there he is. How's it going? I'm
7: having a stroke. Are you going to shake
4: my hand or what? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. Are you okay? I'm having a stroke. Your face looks weird, too. I'm having a stroke. Are you having a seizure or something? I'm having a stroke.
0: When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear I'm having a stroke. You just need to know the sudden signs. Look for FAST, F-A-S-T. F A S T F face drooping, A arm weakness, or S speech difficulty, then T. Time. Time to call nine one one immediately. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. Know the sudden signs. Face, arm, speech, time. Spot a stroke fast. Visit Strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Well,
2: forty four minutes after the hour of eleven o'clock, just real quick, let me uh let me share something with you, and I don't do this but m- once a year, but I feel it's appropriate under the circumstances of today's show. I'm an ASE Master Certified Technician and have been since 1991. I'm an automotive expert in the legal arena. I work for law enforcement, insurance companies, plaintiff def- lawyers, defense lawyers, um, and I get to say to them, I'd rather be on the other side or I'd rather be on your side. Um, I've worked as a technical inspector for Chrysler, Chevy, Ford, Toyota, and Lexus. Um, I helped create, Ruth Zemmick and I created the Auto Advisory Committee for the Better Business Bureau that's now nationwide, which gives consumers a fair shake in front of a bunch of guys that own car repair shops who monitor one another. That's kind of cool. So I've been around the block. I've owned my own shop since 1979, and today um, my uh, oldest son and my youngest daughter run our operation, so I have been around the block and um, i've also worked for the Supreme Court and a probate committee and the judicial area and then a court appointed special advocate for for a young man so um I do have dispute resolution experience and and i'm i'm uh, i'm an expert in the auto related field auto repair related field and testify about that as well so there 's my resume uh I just thought, in light of a call, that I'd say that. John, good morning. How can I help you?
1: Good morning. I have a a 2005 Cavalier, and it came up with a code of 455, a VAP large leak. And I've been driving the vehicle. I haven't had a chance to take it by a shop yet. And uh, does that do any further damage to any other parts on the vehicle or I've driven it about 1,500 miles and haven't had a chance to take it to a shop, and then all of a sudden it came up with a code, a P300, a multi-misfire. So now the vehicle hardly wants to run.
2: Okay. Um, The EVAP code says the evaporate system, we suck the fuse off the tank and run them forward. So we're actually feeding them to the engine again. So we're just circulating. So we have the fuel up front, and then we make exhaust. And then while we do that, we're taking the fumes off the gas tank and sending them forward. So we're burning both, you know, uh, gas out of the tank and the fumes out of the tank. Um, I I don't know about your 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 misfire code. I'm having a tough time with the relationship between the two. But on your misfire code, I think I'd fix the evap leak first because if we have an evap leak we usually have a vacuum leak that makes the motor run lean too much air not enough fuel and that will cause a misfire so i'd probably do the evaporative system first everybody's going to charge you between 50 and 150 dollars this could be listen to me carefully could be at least 50 50 chance of finding it for 85 dollars and fixing it for two bucks because then we have a broken evaporative line what we do is we introduce smoke into the system, a dense white smoke, and then you circle all the technicians around the car, and one of them goes, hey, I got smoke over here. Well, that's the first leak we're going to fix. Then once we get the system airtight, then we're done. We go drive it, we clear the code, everything's fine. With respect to your misfire, I think we ought to fix, like I said, the evap leak first, and then work on the misfire after that. Um, I think that's what I would want my guys to do, and I think that's what's in your best interest. But you're going to spend a little bit of money. Now, it could be that 50 to $150 worth of diagnostic, and it could be an evaporative control. It could be some kind of a solenoid off the top of the tank. It could be some kind of an EGR or a canister purge valve. There's lots of other things it can be, but under the best of conditions, it'll be X amount to find it and a buck to fix it. Good luck to you, John. Dan, you're up next. How can I help you?
3: Um yeah, Mark, uh, I got kind of an unusual question. I have a sixty two Chevy
6: pickup truck, a ten,
3: and the, the front end, the front of the steering suspension, is off of an eighty two truck. And I probably should get the thing real uh alignment done, but do I do it to the uh eighty two specs or the sixty two specs?
2: Well that's a great question. Um us old grey grey haired guys don't care. <laughs> We know how to set that front end up. So the camber is going to be 2, 3 degrees. The caster is going to be 1 plus or minus, And the toe is going to be a 16th plus or minus. And the steering wheel is going to be straight. We don't care about all the rest of that stuff. Now, newer model cars might be different. But what you're talking about is a piece of cake. Now, let me explain. Camber is the tilt of the top of the tire in and out. We want the tire. Now, if you weigh... If you weigh more than you should, we might have you sit in the truck while we align it. Because if some if somebody uh, is larger than normal, then they're going to weight down that side of the truck, and that's going to affect the left front tire. So it's not uncommon. Maybe one out of every 25 alignments, we say, hey, can you sit in the car? Or we'll have a technician and a couple of his buddies sit in the car. But the camber is the top of the tire going out and in. We want the tire to st- stand straight up and down. The caster is... Um, it's kind of a raked kind of thing. The caster is returned to center. So when you turn the steering wheel right or left, then you let go of the steering wheel, straightens up. That's called caster. Toe is the front of the tires in and out, and that's going to be zero, (laughs) or maybe a a, a 16th in. So the answer is is this is a piece of cake, Um, unless something's wrong with it, the lower control arm bushings, upper control arm bushings, or whatever. What part of town do you live in?
3: Um, I'm uh, in the Cape Creek Carefree area.
2: Okay, I'd go see Blackwell. He's at 40th Street in Greenway, and I i mean, I can guarantee you Tom knows how to line that car. Now, here's oh, okay. the deal. When you go down the road, now this car is a little different than the newer cars because they don't have this issue. When you're on a flat road, which is a highway, the car will go straight, but the road's flat. On a city street, the center of the road is a little bit higher than the curb so that the water runs off the roadway into the curb. Does that make sense? So oh, yeah. on on your truck and a lot of other vehicles, on the highway, because we'll say to the customer, you want it to go straight down the highway or you want it to go straight down the, straight down a, a um, crowned street road, a road in a street. The difference is is that if you're flat, we're going to set the steering wheel straight ahead. And then when you get on a crowned road, you're going to have to just give it a little bit of left to hang on to the side of the road. A lot of people don't even notice it. On the other side, if you want to go down the Crown Road all the time, then I'm going to have it pull just a little bit to the left, but when you get up on the highway, it'll have a drift to the left. Most people would never notice that, but us old guys with gray hair and that have been involved in cars since the 19, late, late 50s, early 60s, we know how to do that, so Blackwell would be the guy I would send you to. But if you got a gray-haired guy in Cave Creek and he's been in business for the last 10 or 15 years, I'm quite sure he could handle it as well. Okay? Okay. All right, thanks. You betcha. Good luck. There is, uh, uh, the old cars (laughs) were really easy. We didn't have systems that sucked the fume off the tank, and we didn't have all this fancy emission stuff. But to be perfectly honest with you, if you decided to lock yourself in the garage because you decided you wanted to leave this world and go to the next, um, if you take an old car like his 62 Chevy pickup, you won't be in there long before you slump over. If you take a newer 2021 of the top five, Honda, Toyota, Chevy, Ford, Dodge, if you take one of those, you better pack your lunch because you're going to be there a long time. You might even be there a day or more, so you better take a roll of toilet paper with you. I'm just drawing a picture for you on how big, bad the emissions were in the old days and how good they are today literally it's been said you can wrap your lips around a tailpipe and breathe the air for 5 minutes and be fine so i'm not suggesting you do that i'm just drawing a picture cuz we don't have you know television right now so i have to draw a picture with my mouth gill who we got
7: we have john
2: john good morning good morning mark i Uh, You know a lot about tires.
1: How about if I tell you how I plan to do a rotation and you can tell me if I'm right right or
2: wrong? Well, tell me what kind of car or truck you got first.
1: It's Toyota pickup, four-wheel drive.
2: Okay. Has it got a straight axle or an independent axle on the front?
1: It's got the solid front axle.
2: Okay. I'm ready. Tell me what you want to do.
1: I bought six brand-new tires about 10,000 miles ago. I figure it's time to rotate the tires, and what I plan to do is take the two front tires off, make those my spares, move the back tires up to the front except on the swap sides, and then I'm going to put the brand-new tires on the back.
2: There's absolutely nothing wrong. I I would defend the plan you have. I think it's a great plan, Um, but I want to know why. Why what? Why are you doing it that way?
1: Well, because I don't have a garage, I've got a carport, and and I get sun on on the uh, driver's side tires, you know, day in and day out. And so I want to prevent heat checking, you know. Okay. So I want to swap the back tires from one side to the other so that the tire that doesn't get a lot of sun now is the one that's in the in the sun.
2: Okay. Okay, I understand completely what you're saying is, is you just want... Uh, But I I wouldn't worry about the heat checking, because that's really something that we had in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And frankly, I haven't seen a, uh, a, a tire that had any kind of damage from the sun on a car that's newer than 2000 in a very, very long time. But Your your movement of the tires is fine. You take the fronts off and give them a break. You're moving the back forward. Maybe you're crossing the backs as long as they're not directional. They'll have an arrow that says you can only go clockwise or whatever. So you're moving those. I'll check that. And then you're putting the back the new ones on the back you should always try to put the new ones on the back, because when you have a blowout on the back, your chances of being hurt are significantly more than if you have a blowout on the front. And But it's not a requirement. It's not an industry standard. It's something that's new. A lot of people are having a tough time swallowing that. But the the issue is is that when you blow a front tire, you have control of the front axle with the steering wheel. But when you blow a back tire, um, the car can fishtail and, and do all kinds of stuff. So yeah. it's not something our industry has to do. It's not something we're forced to do it's new technology and a lot of us gray-haired guys are a little bit nervous about this new plan but we understand it but we're not quite sure that we want the government telling us how to fix your car but everything you're talking about is good the front tires are going to get a rest the back that have had a rest going forward and then you got the new ones on the back that's a perfect idea perfect okay thank you thank you you're sir welcome. you're welcome it's not very often we get something like that. Well, first of all, he's got six tires, so we need to rotate all those into the uh, into the system. But um, it's a good plan. And it, and to be honest with you, I could take another side too. I could talk about, well, let's put the new ones on the front and let's take the next best and put them on the back and let's take the ones that ha- were on the front and set them aside because, see, the front tires wear on the outside edges because as you turn right or left, we take the tire and kind of lay it over. So, so that's why we take the fronts off, we have a little bit of outside edge wear and we put them to the back. And then we take the back ones that are nice and square because all they do is follow. So we take the back ones that have a sidewall that goes up and then there's a 90 degree turn and there's flat tread and then it goes down. That's what happens. So when you talk about those kinds of things, that's what happens. It's, it's important. Um, it's not important. Let me Let me back up. I'm going to take that all back. When you're looking for a good shop, look for somebody that's been in business a very long time. Look at their reviews, but don't count on their reviews being perfect because none of us are perfect. Um, it's Everybody gets a bad review, and sometimes the shop owner will say, I didn't want the customer, so I didn't accomplish his goals, or I didn't give him what he demanded. Uh, and sometimes the the customer's right, and the shop is done something stupid or or terrible or or it's not within industry standards stuff like that so the key here is is that the owner of the shop is there and he's been in business a long time the chain stores there's some really good chain stores out there that really do a good job the issue really has to do with um how long has the manager been there So if the manager is somebody that you've seen for two or three years and he knows you by name and you're doing business with them, that's a good thing. A car dealership, it's the same way. If you can develop a relationship with a specific service rider and you explain to the service rider that you hold them personally Mm -hmm. responsible for the happiness and the repair of your car, then that's okay too. Those are the kinds of things. So you have you have independent repair shops, then you have chain stores and then you have dealerships, and then you have specialty shops. I'll give you an example of that is Mesa Muffler. Gosh, I've done business with them since the 70s. So I really do business with them today. So my address is mark at mark with a K at marksalem, like the cigarette.com, and I'll see you here next Saturday on KKNT.